This morning's scripture text will come from uh, Isaiah chapter 55, the sermon text. Please hear the word of the Lord. Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the riches of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. It will, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth." It will not return to me empty, but I will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in prayer. O gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you asking that you would give power to your word, that the word that would come this day, Lord, would not return without an increase. Honor your word. Hear the testimony of your word, Lord, and bring it forth. We ask, O Lord, for your grace and your mercy to be in the preaching of your word, that all who are blind and all who are deaf may hear this day and may see this day and come to the risen Lord, to come to the living God. We pray, O Lord, for your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We come to this passage in Isaiah 55. It's a very uh, familiar passage probably to many of us. To many of us. It is a passage in which God is saying something to us, saying something wonderful to us. But as we consider Isaiah chapter 55, let us remember the messages that Isaiah has given throughout his prophecy. Throughout this book, he's given us two messages. One is a message of judgment, and one is a message of salvation. A message of judgment because God brings an indictment upon the whole world. 
He brings an indictment against his people, and he brings an indictment against all the enemies of his people. He goes through and he names country after country that has done harm to Israel, and he says he pronounces judgment upon them. He indicts them. And in that indictment, God is saying to all of us, we have all sinned. We are sinners. We're all undone before a holy God. And so much that when we hear that message of judgment, we want to exclaim like the psalmist exclaims and says, Lord, if you keep a record of sins, who can stand? Who can stand? That's the point. That's what God wants us to know is that no man can stand. If we are found and left in our sin, we cannot stand before a holy and righteous God. It just, God has spoken so clear and powerful. But in the midst of those pronouncements of judgment, he brings and proclaims a message of salvation. Many times you will look, here comes that message of judgment. But then you almost see that God's got a posture before the world. He is a posture before the world that says, I'm not here to judge. I'm here to love. I am here to save. That's God's message of salvation. That's God's message of salvation. What good news. What blessed news. And really what God is saying, I want to show you something about your life. I want to show that you're in an economy. You're in a relationship with me that you may not be able to realize right now. You may not know that God has brought you into a system where there's an exchange going on. There's an exchange going on. Just for a moment, I want us to either close our eyes or just think deeply, try to put away all the distractions that will come into our mind, and let us focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross. Think for a moment. See that here's this one, this innocent one, hanging from a tree with his nails, with nails that have been driven through his hand. And he's hanging upon a cross and he's bleeding. There we see the economy of God's justice. There we see the message of God's judgment and the message of God's salvation coming together at once. That God says, my holiness demands justice. But yet my love, my love demands mercy. And those messages, there's not one message above the other. It's not, I see the message of judgment's way up here. And God's got an unbalanced scale and the message of love is here. Or vice versa. It is God who is perfect, who is absolute. That in that one act of putting his son to death, he tells us he has a message of judgment for the world. But look at the message of salvation. Consider his people. When they were out in the wilderness, they spoke out against God and they said, God, why did you bring us here? Why did you bring us to this wilderness to die? And so God sends judgment. He sends serpents into the camp. And the serpents bite the people that many died. And those that saw that were still alive, that saw the serpents and the impending death, they begged for mercy. They cried out for mercy. God heard their cry. 
And what God does is he lifts up a brazen serpent before his people and says, all you who have been bit by a serpent, look up. Look up and see the message of my salvation. You have been laid in judgment, but you can be raised in the newness of life. If you look up, do you know how sick and diseased you are? Do you know that you've been bitten by a serpent and the poison of sin and death is running through your veins? That if you do not look up, you will not live. But there's good news. There's good news that God brings that message of judgment to put us in the right posture to receive the message of his love. The mess- if we come simply looking at Jesus and not valuing him, And saying, I don't need a Savior, but I want everything that you've got, God. But I don't want to get it through Jesus. I want to get it through my own works. I want to get it through my own ideas. I want to get it through my own system. You undermine the economy, God's economy. Where he is saying to us, bringing a great invitation here in Isaiah chapter 55. He is laying out an invitation And he's saying to us, look up. Look up. Come. He uses, we're going to see in our sermon notes that we have four action verbs. Four words. Because God is giving an invitation, he demands a response. He demands a response. He demands action. And what he's going to show us is that we are to receive that invitation, how we are to receive that invitation. But when you receive an invitation, when you get an invitation, someone invites you, there's three responses that you can have. You can ignore him, you can reject him, or you can receive him. It's the same with God's invitation. You can ignore him, meaning I don't see any value. I don't understand it. Life's hard. And I don't really want to be bothered by anything else in life. I just may not have ears where I can hear it. I don't have eyes that I can truly see. Why do I need to come to this? And then there are those that will just simply reject it. I see it. I hear what you're saying, God, but I don't want it. I don't want it. I want to live in my unbelief. I want to live in my own way, but I certainly don't want to come to you in your way. And then there will be those who will receive it. They'll receive it with joy. They'll receive it seeing their great need. And so that's where we come to in the first point of our sermon outline is a call to us to come into God's economy. Some of us may have had older translations where we've seen the word oh or ho, this very unique Hebrew word. And it all means the same, that God is earnestly calling. He is, is, with his power of his grace, penetrating the heart, penetrating the heart to say, do you see how needy you are? Do you see how needy you are? And so God calls us in the message of Isaiah, because if we're left in that message of judgment, we're undone. We give up now. But that's not what God wants in his people. God wants a people for himself. He doesn't want a people that are already rich, that already have a king. 
Think about what Israel did. They kept turning away from God, turning their back from God, and saying, we don't want you as our king, as our Lord. And so that, God brings the message of judgment. And he's saying to them, you will be my people, and I will be your God. Do you hear that message? Can you hear that message in Isaiah 55? Because it's good news. It's the message that will restore. And so here, that message, that call, that invitation, that God is saying, come into my economy. See the economy of my justice, but live, experience, participate. And he's saying it to a very specific person. He's not saying it to the rich, meaning I don't need God. I've already got all the righteousness that I care to have. I've got all the holiness that I need. God, why don't you just accept it? He's not speaking of those that are good workers, that can do great things in life, and say to God, look at what I've done. Look at all the commandments that I have kept. That's not who God's speaking to. But God then says something extraordinary. He says, those that I invite into the economy are those who have an extreme need, that are thirsty, that are hungry. They're the only ones who qualify to come into the economy of God. That's so much different than the economy we live in. The people who profit and get out of the economy, what the economy has to give, are those who have everything. Many of us are left behind because we don't have the wealth that others have. The poor are always forsaken. It is a given that in our economy, the poor will always be forsaken. They will always lack. They will not have what they need. But God's economy is totally different. God's economy is something extraordinary where God has invited those who are in need. Do you thirst? Do you thirst? Do you know that you lack something that is necessary for life? You may go days without food, but you're not going to go days without water. If you go days without water, you're going to die. If you go without God's righteousness, you're going to die. The poison of the serpents that are running through your body is going to assure your death. God stands before the world with a posture of love. The cross is not hidden. It is spoken through the message of the gospel. It says to all people who are sinners, look up, but only the thirsty will. Only the thirsty will. Only those who are blind will. Only those who are deaf will. Only those who have the issue of blood all their life, uncleanness all their life, will look up and see the salvation of the Lord. But that's what God is calling us to, is to have a radical change of understanding of the exchanges in your life. The exchanges in your life, the currency that God is saying that you need 
to come into his economy, his need itself. His need itself. As one modern day writer would say, that all you need is need. That's true. Your life depends upon your need. And what does that mean? That means all are welcome. Because all are in need. All are in need. God is inviting us to come into the economy of his love. Into the economy of his mercy. Into an economy that defies all other economies. Because there's a different type of currency. There's a different type of value. The people who come into God's economy, God places value on them. People are not simply trying to earn their value by seeing how hard that they're working and what they can gain. But they are coming to God. They're coming to Christ. And they're saying, I have nothing. But you've called me to come. That's great, wonderful news. We read about the Samaritan woman at the well. We read about her. And there she she would come daily because she thirsted. She would come to the well to draw water. That's our life. We constantly go to a well thinking we know what we need. Thinking we understand what we need. And we labor and we work and we strive to look for that. People have hurt us. So we want reconciliation. But we're not willing to forgive. People are mean to us, so we have every right to be mean to them and hate them. But that's not the message of God's economy. We're to love our enemies. We're to love those who persecute us. We're to forgive that we may know that we're forgiven. Forgiveness is not something you deserve. It's something that God freely gives out of his good pleasure. Freely, not in the sense there was no price paid, because there was a great price paid. But that out of his expression, out of his willingness, he calls us to him that we can receive our forgiveness. So as we come into God's economy, we're not simply just to hear about it, see how cool it is, to see, yeah, that's something that I want. But then God says, come and see. See what investment I've made. And he gives us that sight through his promises. Through his promises. There is no other entrance into God's economy but through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ that we see the price, the investment that God has made. He gave of himself. Be encouraged. Be strengthened in that. Sin has not won the day. God has won the day. Christ has won the day. Christ is the victory over the grave. Christ is over the very wage of sin, death. He's the victory over it. Because if you try to earn your salvation through your own righteousness, all you're going to get paid back is death. Death. But all those who believe in Christ Jesus and see he is righteous and through faith I receive his righteousness, what payment do you receive? Life. Life eternal. 
the woman that would continue coming to the well, working through her actions, making it very clear that I have a thirst that can never be satisfied. That's what life is without God. That's what life is without Christ, is that I am working and I'm striving, and we know that in our economy. Those are working hard to make ends meet, to get to the next level. We are never satisfied. And Jesus says to that woman, if you knew who asked of you, because Jesus asked, Can I have, give me a drink. But if you knew who asked of you, you would have asked of me to give you the water, right? The eternal water that springs up inside of you. That's what it means to thirst. That means in Psalms 42, are you like that deer that is panteth, panting after God? A soul that lacks that nutrients and that necessity of life, then come and see. See the investment that God made. God has established his righteousness in his economy that your thirst can be met. When we hear the judgment of God, what are you thirsting for? You're thirsting after righteousness because the judgment of God is going to exact the penalty upon those who are not right with him that are not righteous with him. And so God has invested in the economy the blood of his son. The blood of his son. You see the value in that? Do you see the price? And that's really what God's saying. How do you value things in your life? Where is the value of your convictions in this life? Where's the value of your belief in this life? Where's the value of your religion in this life? Where's the value of your pleasures? Where's the value of your grievances? Where's the value of you've been mistreated? Do you value that above seeing all that in our Lord Jesus Christ? Who was persecuted, mistreated, spit upon, whipped, flogged, given a crown of thorns because of us. Because of our sin. We're all sinners. We're all sinners. But here this wonderful picture that takes place. As Isaiah 55 begins to unfold. That here we we hear that call, that invitation. And God is saying to us, listen, listen. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying about my economy? That this economy is not just a system in which you try to do the best that you can. But this economy is a relationship. It is a covenantal relationship. It's a covenantal relationship where the call then moves to see and says, see the realities of what I invite you to. We can hear calls. We can hear commandments. Children all day long can hear their parents and say, come eat. Come to whatever it is that the children are being called to. And they'll, and they'll do their own thing, but they really won't see what it is that their parents are wanting them to see until they come. Until they come. And so when you come, you come to see, to see the realities of God's salvation. You can't reject the realities of your sin. You just can't. You are still a sinner in God's economy. But you're a sinner saved by grace. You're a sinner saved by grace. Does that make you uncomfortable to say I'm a sinner? 
does that make us say, I don't want to hear this message anymore? Well, then you don't want to hear the message of salvation. The message of salvation is not complete unless you know what you're being saved from. You're being saved from the wrath of a holy God because you have sinned against him. You have chosen your own way. You haven't chosen God's way. You haven't followed God's way. You have rejected the goodness that he has given in life by giving you breath, by giving you eyes to see him, by giving you ears to hear him, by giving you a soul to know him. But how everything in this world competes to get you away from that knowledge. But yet our God invites us, come and see the realities. Come and see the truth of who I am. And I assure you that what I'm telling you about the economy, I am going to, find, to ground it in something so certain, so unmovable, so unshakable, I'm going to ground it in my promises. I'm going to ground it in my covenant. A covenant about the Lord Jesus Christ. A covenant that was said to David to show God's steadfast love to David. To show how wonderful God's faithfulness is to David that he's going to keep this everlasting kingdom. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises that ground us with certainty and assurance that what God says he will do in his economy, he will do it. He will deliver you from your sin. He welcomes sinners. He welcomes those who have a need for a Savior. Come and see. Come and see. And then Isaiah In his invitation, he says to us, seek, seek. Well, what's the difference between see and seek? When we see, we come to a knowledge. We come to an understanding. When we seek, we come to apprehend. We move with an action. We attempt to find that message. We ask of God. If we truly know how to pray to our Lord Jesus Christ, what we ask him is for the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit would come into our lives, would come upon our hearts to show us our need in the Savior. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit doesn't come to testify of himself. He comes to testify of the Son. He comes to take what the Father has done in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and shows it to you. That is the only way we can see that. God is making it known to us by the power of his spirit what has been done in the Lord Jesus Christ, his covenantal promises. So ask of him. If you lack wisdom, the scripture says ask. Ask. Move towards God because God has moved towards you. We are so dependent on God's action, or we should be, That's what we really have to ask ourselves. Every single day, do we depend upon God's actions or do we depend on ours? Are we strengthened to know that God has made a promise? And in that promise, I am strengthened in who he has promised, Christ Jesus. 
The power that a Christian has is always underestimated. Always underestimated. It's a power that should be received with great humbleness and humility. It is a power that should see that it isn't because of them. It's because of Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus living in them. That gives us power to seek him, to ask of him, to attempt to find an economy than the economy we're living in. That attempts to move beyond, to move from one position to another, to come. You won't come unless you move from the position that you are in to the position that God has called you to. And when you come, you'll find that it's not your power that you're depending on to make that move. You're depending upon the power of Christ. You're you're depending upon the power of Christ where God has moved towards you. That God intervened. God stepped in in the moment of your death while you were yet in your sins and trespasses. While you were yet dead in those, God called you and invited you to come. In that word come, it's not like just an interrogatory. It's an imperative. It's the command and the power of God to hear the invitation. Because through our need, we know we need a Savior. And so do we seek the Lord? There is no seeking according to the prophet Isaiah, without repentance. You can't move towards God and act and attempt to move towards God unless you turn from some type of life that you're living. If you're living a life with your back towards God, you must turn to Him now. The action is to seek the Lord and His riches. It's to seek the Lord And his riches, his mercy, is what we're seeking for. We are those people that are sitting in the wilderness crying out, Lord, no more serpents, no more death. Have mercy upon us. We're the blind man that hears that the son of David is passing by. And we cry out, have mercy on us. Move towards God. Attempt to find God. The blind man that couldn't see Jesus coming by heard him. Could hear the rustling of the crowd and said, something great's going on. I know I have a need. I need something. I'm just going to start calling out. Even when people are telling me to hush, be quiet, the blind, the blind man keeps calling out, have mercy on me. He's making, moving in the attempt to find God. Because the promise of God's gospel is, seek and ye shall find. Questioning is not what a child of God does. Questioning is not what we are to do when we are coming to God. We are seeking. We have heard the call. We have seen the realities of that invitation and we are moved from within to attempt to find it. To attempt to find it. The young man, the young ruler that came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, good rabbi, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, 
And he says, oh, I've done all those commandments. But then Jesus says, go and sell all your possessions and follow me. Go sell everything that you have. It seemed like the young ruler was seeking. He was attempting to find God. But if his intentions were simply to get the riches, but not get the person, not come to Christ and find Christ Jesus, not find where the promises are sure, and the promises are steadfast in the person of Christ Jesus, then he wasn't truly seeking. We really don't know the end of that story, other than that the man went away sad. He went away sorrowful because he had great riches. Well, what great riches do you have in life? It doesn't have to be money. It's what do you cling to in your life over God? That you have valued the riches of God less than the riches of eternal life. Well, here's the call. Here's the invitation to seek the Lord while he may be found. Forsake the ways. Forsake those treasures and turn to him. Face the living God who stands with a posture of love before the world. Promising that he will receive sinners just like you and I. That message is not simply an invitation to non-believers. It's a message to all people, believers and non-believers. That invitation should bear upon your heart when you wake up in the morning. That God is calling us. He is inviting us to live in his economy. Get out of this world of darkness and depression and sadness. Get out of all these theories and all these philosophies that trouble you, that cause you to wrestle and come into the sure promises of God, into his economy where salvation is, into eternal life. That's the good news of the message of salvation. And the final point of our invitation that we hear from the prophecy of Isaiah is that we we are told that the invitation is calling us to believe. What is it that we're believing in? We're believing in the benefits of his grace. That's what he describes here to us in chapter 55. He says, there is a change. There is a transformation in your world when you truly believe. And what is belief? It is an embracing of what you have been called to, that you have come to, it is an embracing of what you've seen and what you sought. It's not simply saying, I believe facts about Jesus. But it is, I'm clinging to Jesus. That's what the helpless people did in the gospel. When they saw Jesus, they cling to him. Do you cling to Jesus? We have to ask that question to us. Because if God's invitation is truly being heard, that's the response. You cling to Jesus. You believe in Jesus when you're hurt, when you're depressed, when things aren't going the way that you want, when you're having financial woes and financial troubles, or you're having much wealth and joy and life is really good. You cling to Jesus. You don't presume upon the riches that will perish, that will fade in this world. You cling to the benefits that are sure in Christ Jesus.
in Christ Jesus. For the word of God is inviting all those who are hungry, all those who are thirsty, all those who are sick, all those in truly in need of a Savior to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. To come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's contagious, as Stan said this morning. It's contagious because that's how God designed it. God wants a nation for himself. He wants a people for himself. He doesn't want a haughty and proud people, stiff-necked people that want to kind of navigate life and come up with strategies in an economy that works for them, that gives them certainty and hope. He wants a people that depends upon the Savior, that believes in the strategies of God that believe in the ways of God because his ways are not our ways. His ways are beyond all of our understanding. And so do you believe them? Do you trust them? Do you embrace them? Even when you don't like his ways, are you willing to submit and humble yourself before a holy God who brings the message of judgment and the message of salvation? Well, if you are, Revelations twenty two seventeen says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears says, Come. And let the one who is thirsty, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. That's salvation. That's salvation. I pray by the spirit, working of the Spirit that you will come, see, seek, and believe. For God is an awesome God.